0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 154. At the end of the episode, I will be reading from Trying to Die at Grandma's House. I'm not sure what section we are on, but I will be continuing the story. Maybe read a death scene. We'll see. Depends on whether or not you guys are good. Um, by the way, before I forget, Ain't No Messiah. That book is out now free. The Kindle copy. Christ has died. Christ. Is risen Christ must die again. Uh if you haven't read that, check it out. I had a lot of fun writing that one. A lot of sex, violence. Uh, yeah, pushed some of my like is not extreme, like the extreme shit I've been reading, but for me, it was a little uh it was a little intense at parts. Uh really enjoyed writing that book. So and eventually I might write the other four parts to it. Fucking sucks, man. I got so much to work on. Uh I would love to get back into that. But honestly, I don't know when it's going to happen. And the hard part with that, too, is uh, book two, The Bridge. I had already, I did half of that book before I even started on Messiah, uh, thinking it was kind of converse. Uh, so I have, have a halfway finished book that's just been sitting there for a very, very long time. So maybe one of these days I will get back to it. Uh, but all my attention has been on trying not to die. Been working a lot on trying not to die at Death Fest. Really digging that. Uh, it's going slow. But I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with just, you know, doing a little bit every day. Um, just finished up a chapter, really like it. Uh, as long as that keep hap- keeps happening, then it's cool. It's like, you know, uh, if I like this chapter, you know, chapter six is good. Then chapter seven is good. Chapter eight, like, in, by the end of it, it's like, you have a good book. So I just have to take my time with that not worry about trying to rush or do anything like that. So um, yeah, and just enjoying it. Right now, we're at a point where we have to determine the final band lineup and then also start doing a couple little lyrics for the songs uh, for the different bands. So that'll be fun to write. So, love doing that and uh so glenn and i are doing that and then i mentioned to him yesterday i was like how cool would it be for the audiobook if we have someone like my cousin marco who's an awesome musician lay down tracks for each of the different bands Uh, i think there'll be about seven different bands that are heard maybe more throughout the book um i was like that would be awesome for the audiobook so i think we're gonna do that up do that i'm gonna hit marco up on that uh relatively soon oh yeah last Friday, my wife and daughter and I went to go see the Trinity of Terror concert. Uh, we we're all excited, well, especially my daughter. Her favorite band is Ice Nine Kills. Uh, so we wanted to go see them on this tour. They are rotating headlining spots. So for this one at the Hollywood Palladium, they were, um, they came right after the opener, Lilith Czar. And so we got there early enough to watch it. Uh, awesome show, awesome performance, really enjoyed it. Uh, made me a fan. It, yeah incredible performers, uh, really liked the music. Um, Emotionalist and White really surprised me. I hadn't really listened to them. In fact, all of us, my, my daughter didn't even really listen to them. She didn't think she was gonna care for them that much, uh, but she liked them just as much as, maybe just as much as Ice Nine Hills. But I thought they were really good. And then we took off before we saw Black Bell Brides. Uh, my daughter's only 13, about turned 14. She was pretty pretty tired and um, yeah, we, we had a long night. But the really cool part. So this was had a little bit of. A, I wasn't sure how I was going to be going into there because I've had so much violence. Been to so many concerts at at the Hollywood Palladium. The first one there when I was 15. That's when the Slayer riot happened outside. Uh, my brother, older brother beat the shit out of a guy that had been messing with me and I jumped into that fight and I was moshing like crazy. And then so many other concerts at that venue where I've been in fights or at least the pit. And then I worked a bunch of security. Um, and I worked several concerts there too. And I know I was dealing with a lot of fights there. So one of the things I've been working on with hypnosis is being able to be in a crowd and not be, like on high alert, ready to fight. You know, not looking for someone that's going to be a trouble. Someone, and you know, and a lot of that could be just because uh, you know I worked in uh, different types of law enforcement, not for long periods of times, but I think all the time with security, probation officer, correctional officer. Um, you know, always and fighting, always on the lookout for for something, for something that's going to go wrong um but it was awesome being able to go to this concert and is being completely relaxed my daughter wanted to go on the floor so all we didn't go in the pit but all three of us were on the floor and i was able just to hang out and relax and just realize like have a good time realize no one gave a shit about me i could sing or i could do whatever or i could you know there's no reason to be uh ready to react and that's one of the things the hypnotist got across to me too is like I'll always be able to react to something if I, if there is an issue and not to say that I'd be able to handle it properly, but you know, and that's what I was thinking. Cause you know, people would shove and bump or whatever else. And the old me might've had a hard time. I might've pushed back and I was like, I'll just let it go. And if it turns into something else, then react right away and all that. But it was just a really cool experience. Who knows how much the hypnosis had to do with it. I think it probably helped a good deal uh, because lots of those messages that, from the hypnosis were going through my mind when I was looking around and thinking about it and just being really chill. So that was cool. I uh, appreciate that. I'm going to continue doing it. I think I have 10 more weeks, so I will let you guys know how that goes. So yeah, that was cool. Oh, this week, lifting was a little bit rough. I didn't really want to get into it. Uh, the spring break, George and I tried doing it a little bit early. So I said eight o'clock. We're trying to start at 730. I was tired every day. So every day was a little bit of a challenge. But the good thing is that we did it despite not wanting to. Um, the other cool thing was uh, starting to, and I didn't want to do this. So George, I, I told him, I was like, Hey man, I'll, I'll do whatever you want to try. Um, Cause he's been pretty passionate about cutting down weight, you know, getting to a certain point. Um, I was like, I'll help you. I know that I could do use it too, and to get healthier and to feel better. Um, so I was like, what should we do? What, what do you want to do? And he, he suggested counting calories i didn't like the idea but i said i would do it so right away though i think probably three hours into starting to do it i, I text on the back of the man this is a great idea i'm already making so many better decisions because i don't want to put these calories into a phone i don't want to you know it, it just it helped me a lot so uh, that's been good i don't know how long we'll do it i think we're gonna try to do it for a solid month so we can see if it is making a difference it's also nice right now is trying to figure out okay you know, where should I be, you know, depending on how many calories I burn that day and whatever else, like I want to be comfortable. I want to, um, you know, I don't want to make food such a big thing, but if I could be slowly losing weight, if I could slowly trim down, then that's a good thing. And if I'm making healthier decisions along the way. So right now the counting calories is good. I'm keeping it at under 2,500 calories, which isn't, you know, that's a good amount, but I'm also a heavier guy. So I'm like 220 ish. So that's what's going on there. Um, But that's about it. Let's get to some questions. I think we only have maybe two reader questions this week. All right. So today's questions are from Emily Haynes and Alvin Pateras. Emily says, Do you ever use real life incidents in your book? Uh, That's her first question. Have you ever stopped writing something because it was too intense? So, yes, I use real life incidents in my books all the time, I generally twist them. So I don't know. I I think it's more of going to that moment and twisting it. Um, you know, as long as it's, it's a matter of catching the emotions, you can picture everything else, but uh, yeah, being able to go to that moment and capturing the motions, that's what I like to do. What's interesting is it's the exact opposite of what we're doing in hypnosis and hypnosis. The hypnotist is asking us to, you know, go above your timeline, look down on it, as an adult, you know, from, you know, your mindset right now, looking back and seeing what lessons you learned from that moment way back there, where with writing, how I've been taught and the dangerous rise, like, that go to that moment, like dive down, become that person, become that little kid again, try to remember what it's like to be that five-year-old really feel those emotions. So that's been a little bit of a struggle, uh, having to switch that uh, type of thinking, that type of deep dive, but, that's what I like to do. As far as writing anything too intense and stopping, um, I've backed off of some personal stuff, like with uh, like when I went had a divorce my first time and, and different things like that. So when I've done some deep personal writing, I've backed off on some. Um, I don't think so. With horror, with anything like that, I don't think I've backed off. I don't think... Sometimes I just don't go as intense. I don't know if it's necessary. I don't... Um, I think it's just a style choice. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd, say, I'd say I'm would say usually, I try to be honest to myself. Like if I want to show something really graphic, I'll show it. If I don't, if I don't think it's right, then I won't. So whatever is right for the story, that's what I'm going to try to do. So Emily, hopefully that answered your questions. Uh, Alvin, how many curse words do you think are used in each book? <laughs> do you think the main characters have their own favorite curse words? So... Um I think in Brightside I actually had the amount of curse words in it because I remember cutting about half of them. So I think it would had been like at 140 or something like that. Um and I could do a quick check but I'm not going to. But a lot of cuss words. Um I know so I'll generally write with you know just however I want to talk that's how I'm going to write uh the character cusses a lot he cusses a lot going back through then it's having to justify each of those instances. Like, well, if it really didn't add anything, then why use it? Like why, you know, if it adds something, if it if if it adds a motion or says something about the character or if there's a reason for it, then use it. You know, if, if someone in that situation is going to use that word, probably use that word, then use that word. If not, then why put it? You know, why I don't want to include it just to you know be cool or just to cuss a lot or whatever else. So don't want that. Um with the trying to die series, we have been cutting out the language. So that's that's been a tough one with Deathfest, too, because those guys are a little bit older, they're going to a heavy metal concert, they're gonna be drinking, there's gonna be a lot of cussing. That is probably how it is, unless this guy, this character doesn't cuss much. So that one i've had to get rid of all kinds of fucks already um that's one reason why i've been thinking about like okay do we do an extremer version you know do we do an adult version all that so i'm not sure what's going to happen with that but for now i'm cutting most you know trying to die is relatively clean there might be some shits in there like one or two cuss words maybe it's going to get a little bit more as we go along i think i've had more of uh i don't know so that's where i am with curse words um as far as characters having their own, I don't know. It's probably pretty much whatever. Well, the interesting thing with Death Fest is Glenn did the first pass. And with these other authors, they're often doing the first pass. So the characters are going to have whatever language that these co-authors are giving them. And then I'll put in my stuff. But I'm probably, you know, whatever curse words they're suggesting are going to use, that, those are the ones that are going to be used. Um, as far as language, that's an interesting thing because For me, I used to, man, I cussed all the time because I wasn't supposed to. Now, this is me thinking back and and trying to figure it out and rationalize or whatever. Um, But I I really do think one of the reasons why I cursed like crazy was because it was bad. It was wrong. It was something I wasn't supposed to do. I did everything that I wasn't supposed to do. Um, So I remember at a very young age, like me and my buddy Rich, like he taught me all these curse words and his brother, and I was always cussing. I was always using curse words. I was uh not around my parents because they would have been super pissed, but everywhere else. And so I had a filthy mouth. Um I didn't want my kids being the same way. So it was like we just told him, like, no, there there's no wrong words, or, or they're not bad words. Like sometimes it's the perfect word, sometimes fuck is the perfect word, but how do you want people perceiving you when you use it and, you know, probably a right or a wrong time to use it, whatever else. Um, so not that they're wrong or bad, but it was, because it was interesting. Yesterday I'm driving my son to go see my parents uh, just for lunch and we're going, I give him the phone. He's only eight. He's about to turn nine. But I give him the phone and tell him he could put on whatever music he wants. And he puts on ice nine kills because we've been listening to that a lot. And he knows all the lyrics and lots of the lyrics are motherfucker. And, bitch and whatever else but like he's gonna hear he's gonna hear people on his video games he's gonna have friends that are talking like that he hears me if he ever listens to this podcast he's probably gonna hear it if he reads one of my books it, whatever it's just part of speech so not a big deal um sorry for the rant but just wanted to Touch on that. All right. What else? What else? What else? Ah man, I have a talk with an agent on Tuesday about the try not to die series. I'm anxious about that. Want to see what she thinks as far as the potential of selling it to a big publisher. Um, I just realized I need help expanding. I'm tired of being a small fish in a fucking giant sea and trying to do it all myself. It's just not happening, um, or it's taking too long for me. I'm very impatient. I want to get my stuff read by tons of people, especially trying not to die series, especially because having co authors, I like it's definitely a feeling of responsibility. I know all of them are cool, they don't expect anything, they don't, you know, um, but that's what I would like to do. I like to make them some money. So that is the game plan. We shall see what happens. Let's just get to it right now time for some reading try not to die at grandma's house last scene uh sam wanted you click to steal your grandpa's car keys so your choices were cause a distraction so sam can steal the keys find a way to steal the keys yourself or forget the keys and just run let's do it let's find the keys ourselves. i get up and head towards the kitchen it's my job to figure out a way to get the keys and even though i'm nervous i'm still determined in the doorway, I almost run right into Grandma. I start to stammer out an apology, but she tells me to set the plates out for lunch. She says to grab the yellow ones, and I nod. I'm trying to picture the road we drove in on. I was asleep when we first hit the mountains. I, mean, I don't even know which direction we came from. We can end up on someone else's property or run out of gas in the middle of nowhere. Even if we actually make it down, where are we going to go? I take the dishes out of the cupboard, but they sound like they're going to shatter in my hands. Sam takes them from me her eyes narrow. If you're feeling sick, David, well, you should go upstairs and lie down. Still your stomach, David? Grandma asks. She slices tomatoes. Yeah, maybe I will lie down. I know I'm acting weird and suspicious, but I can't shake my nerves. I'm trying so hard to play it cool because I know that we can't rush this. We can't set this in motion until we're absolutely sure we can make a clean break. If we get caught, I don't even want to think about it. I just need a break to collect myself. I walk out of the kitchen and hear grandpa coming up in the basement, a lock twists. It's on the basement side of the door, meaning he's trying to keep anyone from going down there. I wonder what's underneath the floor. When the handle turns, I take off up the stairs, run into my room and close the door. My heart's pounding and I can't breathe. I'm an idiot for thinking we could pull this off. Even if Sam gets the keys, I know I'll somehow screw this up. We'll end up crashing into a tree or just soar off the side of the mountain. It'll end in a fiery explosion we'll have to scrape our charred bodies off the seats. At least we'd be with mom and dad though, and not here, surrounded by scaly creatures and salivating beasts itching to devour our flesh. I'm pacing, the floor creaks with each step. I know I should stop. They think I'm lying down, but if I stop moving, I'm gonna scream. So I walk to the wall, then back to the bed and over to the wall by the desk. I notice fresh nails at the bottom of the window. Grandpa must have driven them in this morning. It's sealed shut. He's right not to trust us. I pace some more, creaking back and forth until a clack stops me in my tracks. I turn and step. The front of my foot goes down an inch. I raise it up. Another clack. The floorboard is loose. One end pops up when I step down. There's something something white under the board. I bend over, lift it up, and find some rolled up paper. I turn towards the door and listen. There doesn't seem to be anyone coming, but Grandpa never makes a sound in this house. After a few seconds, I pull out the paper and unroll it. It's a drawing of the creature from last night. The razor tail, stubby legs, the black needle teeth. I recognize Tim's artistry. I forgot he used to draw. But now I can picture his room covered with sketches of cars, alligators, and hot alien women with huge boobs. That was before high school. Before Bill Parker and all the trouble. One night, Tim tore down all his artwork and replaced his drawings with crazy metal posters. There were flayed women and skulls covered in blood. I remember thinking he might be possessed. He grew his hair out and never washed it, and his eyes were always ringed in black. He hardly spoke, always looked pale and tired. After he stole the car, mom and dad were screaming at him in the living room. I wanted to tell them to stop, that we should just get a priest to exercise him. My brother was still in there somewhere. He was still their son. We just had to pull out the kid we all knew and loved, the guy who let me tag along on the morning jogs and bought me baseball cards. He just needed to hear we remembered him. I even worked out a speech, went over it all night, but the next morning he was gone. Mom told me she'd sent him to our grandparents. It was for the best, she said. I actually believed her until we got the call. I'm wiping tears as I flip to the second drawing. It's another creature, but this one is split in two and axes between the two halves. The blade stained in some nasty juice or blood. From each open end, dozens of slugs slither out. The third page has five separate body parts, an ear, nose, mouth, belly button, and a butthole. And each drawing is a slug burrowing into the hole. Grandpa said never to stab one. I wonder if this is what happens. If if Tim saw it, if I hadn't kicked the creature last night, would slugs be inside us now? My stomach actually is sick now. I feel like I'm going to puke. If Tim saw this happen, I don't blame him for trying to escape. It has to be what he was doing. Charlie said he found him at the bottom of the ravine. He must have been running. I don't understand why he didn't try to steal the car. He knew how, after all. Grandpa probably didn't trust him enough to leave the car out in the open. He probably locked it in the barn or maybe even pulled out the battery. That's what I'm thinking as I flip to the fourth and final drawing. It's of Grandpa Joe. Those cruel eyes stare right at me, and I'm shaking. Someone's coming up the stairs. I shove the papers back under the floorboard and jump into bed. Footsteps move towards my door. The floorboard is still raised. It's only an inch, but panic ripples through me. There's a knock. I don't even have time to say, wait a second. The door opens and Grandma Barb enters. She's got a plate of saltine crackers and a big plastic cup. I brought you some ginger ale to settle your tummy. Oh, thanks. I try not to look at the floorboard. She sets the plate down on the desk. Her calloused bare foot is right next to the loose board. One more step and she'll stub her toe. Oh, you poor thing. I look up. It's like she's staring at a ghost. She places her hand on my forehead. Her wrinkly fingers slide over my sweaty brow. Well, you don't have a fever, she hands me the glass. Here, just try and sip. I drink, and a little dribbles out of my mouth. Tastes like ginger ale, but not quite. Must be some sort of diet off-brand. I'm still shaking. The cup taps against my teeth. I tell myself to pull together, to keep drinking so I don't have to speak. Good, she says. It'll make you feel better. I gulp and wipe my mouth. Thanks. She takes the glass and wipes my hair, which is just as wet as my forehead. I'm okay, really, Grandma. I just need to rest. Instead of leaving, Grandma sits on the bed and stares into my eyes. It's like she's digging around in my brain. I wonder if that's what slugs do. They wiggle in and munch on your memories. She takes the empty cup. I really am so happy you and your sister are here, but I do owe you an apology. For some reason, I feel a little nervous. We should have told you about well, what you saw last night. Grandma turns her head. She's not focused on anything in the room, just lost on a memory. When we heard about your parents, we drove through the night. I thought getting you away from that place was for the best. She turns to me, tears in her eyes. We should have told you. I wasn't thinking. I do hope you can forgive us. I'm starting to feel sorry for her. She pulls me into her arms. Her breath is warm on my ear. Your grandfather's working on a way to get rid of them, and he will, I promise you, will never let anything happen to you or your sister. I don't believe her, but her hug makes me lose it. I'm crying into her shoulder and she squeezes rocks back and forth. I don't even know why I'm crying. Tim, my parents, grandma's sadness, I guess all of it. Since the accident, I've wanted to be strong for Sam, but here in my gr- grandmother's arms, I let go. My family is gone, my brother, mom, dad, I realize Grandma Barb and Grandpa are the only people Sam and I have left. How can we run from that? Okay, you get some sleep, Grandma says. Come down whenever you want. I'll put your plate in the fridge in case you get hungry. She starts for the door and suddenly everything is fuzzy. I feel dizzy too. Grandma turns and I think she's smiling, but it could be a grimace. My eyelids feel like they weigh as much as bricks. I force them open a little. The little door closes. The room feels like we're in the middle of the ocean everything sways and rises and falls it's making me really sick i lie back and put my head on the pillow i know i should go downstairs talk to sam but i can't lift my arms i can't even roll over it's like my veins have been injected with cement i know i'm on the bed but it feels like i'm being sucked into the earth something hits my face it's freezing something's shaking me i hear my name but it sounds miles away i peer out my eyes barely opened the sun's still up, but I don't know if it's afternoon or if it's even the same day. Sam stands over me. She's holding a mug and I'm soaked. Get up, she says. I try to ask her what's happening, but my mouth won't work. I still feel like I'm filled with some mint. A drop of water falls from the mug. My arm finally responds and slowly I wipe my face. I realize Sam threw water on me. David, come on. What? She drugged you. Who? Grandma. I look over at the cup she gave me. Little white specks cover the inside. She's sturdy in mine, too, but I saw her. I poured her out when she wasn't looking. She kept asking me if I was tired, so I pretended I was. I forced myself to sit up. Where are they? They left. I saw them headed into the woods. Grandpa had a gun. A gun? Yeah, and the car's still here, but I can't find Grandpa's keys. I looked everywhere, even in their room. He he probably has it with him. But there might be a spare. You gotta help me find him. Come on. I can't think clearly. Sam yanks my arm, trying to get me to stand. David, they could come back any minute. We have to find the keys. I'm suddenly on my feet and moving. I bounce off the wall, stumble. Sam keeps me up. I tell her to slow down. The stairs are just ahead and I know enough that I don't want to fall. I brace against the railing with my right hand. Sam stays under my left side. I have to put both feet on a step before I can move down to the next one. Finally, we get to the first floor. I look out the window and ask, which way did they go? Sam points at the trees. This is the direction of the fence and the beast. They could be back any minute. I don't know how long. Sam looks at the kitchen and then the living room. She runs over and takes the lid off a porcelain candy dish. Nothing. I turn, my vision is still fuzzy and my balance is off but I see the basement door. I force my way over, wobbling, banging against two chairs. I reach out, try the handle, it's locked. Move, Sam says. She barely touches me and I nearly topple over. I lean against the wall, Sam pulls out a hairpin. She jams it in the lock, starts to rake it up and down. Finally, it clicks. She throws it open the door. It's pitch black. Where'd you learn that? Tim taught me. Come on. I look out the window. I don't see Grandpa or Grandma, but they could already be heading back. And Sam said he has a gun. Wait, hold on. I shake my head. Well, what if the keys aren't down there? We gotta look. It's all there's left. But I can't move. If they come back and find us, who knows what they'll do? They've already drugged us. Maybe we should just run out the front door. Charlie's probably still out there. He might help us. David, are you coming or not? All right. Time for a decision. You either follow Sam down the stairs or you make a run for it and find Charlie. Follow Sam down the stairs or make a run for it and find Charlie. All right. Next week, I will try to read both choices. Hopefully, you won't screw it up. Not fuck it up. Hopefully, you won't screw it up. All right, guys. I am out of here going to, I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. I think I might be hanging out with a UFC fighter and her awesome boyfriend watching some fights. That should be a lot of fun. I'll let you guys know all about it next week. All right. Have an amazing week and I will talk to you later. Peace.